All right, how's it going? My name is Matt Boy. Listen to the Looking Sideways Action Sports podcast. It's the show where I try and uncover the most interesting stories in action sports and other related endeavors. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoy it. If it's your first visit to my little corner of the internet, you might want to check out my website, www.wearelookingsideways.com. You'll find over 140 episodes of interviews with the great and the good of the action sports world. Full show notes to every episode. There's a blog on there. There's a lot of stuff to get through, basically. So go and have a look if you enjoy this episode. All right, so my guest this week is South African surfer Michael February. I'm going to call him Mikey because that's what everyone seems to do. Let's get the facts out of the way first. Mikey came up through the contest circuit, as he explained during our conversation. It's really the only way to try and forge your you know, sponsorship and forge your career um, for somebody from South Africa. It's a well-worn path, obviously. He really came to global prominence as the first non-white African to make the WSL. Obviously, that's a very reductive take on his career, but for obvious reasons, that milestone carries a lot of symbolism and a lot of significance. And on its own would have been enough to catapult Mikey to global renown But when you factor in his inimitable style, it does appear to be scientifically impossible to discuss Mikey's style without using words like inimitable. Then you've got one of the most intriguing and occasionally polarizing characters in today's professional surfing world. I had a chat with my old mate Ben Mundy before this one, ex-guest of this podcast, ex-editorial at Tracks magazine. He said to me via WhatsApp, well, he's smarter than the average surfer for what that's worth. But I suppose competition v free surfer is the well-worn narrative. He's good enough for top level, probably too interested in alternative crafts to beat hard-nosed pros. I've seen him destroy waves in competitions all over the world. Always has a unique style, but he's made mistakes, fell off. I reckon he's just gotten on twins and gotten a bit jiggy with it. He's super talented. So that's Ben's take. And I think I'm right in saying that Mikey did a year on the tour. Not a long time, basically, before bowing out to follow that, as Ben Mundy puts it, classic contest to free surf arc, which has been such a feature of some of the most legendary surf careers of all. And to be honest, while right at some of the most legendary snowboarding careers of all, you know, the contest to stylish free spirit paradigm, let's say. Um, The difference with Mikey is he did it much more quickly than most and he's never quite fitted the mould of the professional surf career which is why he tends to get asked a lot of the same stuff really. I've mentioned the style thing Um, but you know what always comes across from him is he (laughs) obvious comment he's just very very into surfing and he's also used the platform that he's built up now as I'm going to say again a free surfer to explore some properly interesting territory through the trips that he does through the stuff that he puts out. And, you know, he explains a lot about this during our conversation. It's one of the things that make him such an intriguing character and why I was really interested in chatting to him for the show. I'm not going to say much more for now as I'll be back at the end for a bit more of the regular housekeeping corner. But for now, here's me and Mikey February. Enjoy. So how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing very good, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I just just got back from Indonesia, so that was kind of nice. Um, but yeah, it's nice to be home. It's weird that the it's already the end of the year. It's, it's strange. 
Yeah, it's been a, it's hard to believe that it's nearly a year. I think about this the other day. It's like nearly a year since the beginning of the full-on lockdown, isn't it? It's like three months till March, where I'm, I'm assuming it was the same yeah. in South Africa. Like it all kicked off in March. You know, yeah, um, it's yeah. been time's been like really kind of warped, hasn't it? This year, it's really bizarre. It has. I mean, yeah, like you said, like I look on the news and stuff, and it's like since since we had our first lockdown it's been like 250 odd days which is crazy yeah 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 so you're back in at home now and is that is that cape town yeah um yeah back in home in cape town it's been nice i've been here it's the first time obviously like everyone else it's the first time i've been been home for this long and it's been cool uh it's been very different but it's been really nice is this like the least you've traveled since you were a kid? Yeah, definitely. Since I was maybe like, call it like, I don't know, 14, 15. I mean, it's like the first time actually noticing like the different seasons and actually being here to like, just, you know, visually kind of see the change in like the, in the trees and just everything. It's so, it's actually something that you, you know, don't even think about, but it's, it's kind of cool to be here and experience it all. Yeah, I mean, because I was thinking about that today. Actually, I was talking to a friend about it. Like, I've, yeah, this is definitely the least I've travelled. I'm going to say for, yeah, since I was 16, which is nearly 30 years, which is wow. kind of frightening. But um, uh, and one of the things I really, I've quite enjoyed, like what you're saying, like the fact that I've been at home for obvious reasons. Yeah, you've, you know, it's, it's been great to experience it. But equally. I kind of realized travel is also like quite a, it's a really good release valve in a lot of ways, mm, you know, like to, to, sure. to, to shift, to get away, to see different people, to have different experiences. I know it sounds like a really obvious thing to say, but um, I <laughs> no. kind of realized that that, that being gone has been, has been an, an interesting experience. You know what I mean? Because you've, you've like, it's definitely helps in a lot of ways i think for yeah. me personally like the travel aspects like you know forget like go to see the places doing the things that you do whether you're surfing or whether you you know whatever but though the, the things that you get from travel on a sort of internal personal level you, i mm -hmm. always took for granted it's only this year that i sort of was like ah yeah okay i've actually really missed that have you have you kind of found that uh definitely i mean it's I mean, that's pretty much, yeah, like you said, you've been doing, I mean, it's little, I mean, the last time you haven't traveled this much has been in like 30 years and definitely feel, I don't know, it's, I mean, there's positives and negatives too, because obviously it's great to be home and experience what you don't normally experience um, every other year. But um, I mean, just, I definitely felt it even just on this last trip now, going to Indonesia for two and a half weeks. I mean, that already was just like this crazy, I mean, obviously going there was like an escape from COVID because you're on a boat or you're on an island where there's no masks or any of that. And um, yeah, I think you're just so used to experiencing different things and not kind of having, you're, not, you're almost like not used to being as comfortable as you are at home all the time. So it makes you think differently, feel different. Um, you know, obviously it's been great to have that comfort of home, but uh, again, you, you just used to 
you know, being exposed to new things and different people and different, just everything. Um, and when you go through that year in and year out, it's, it's definitely a big change. And how, how was the trip? Cause that was the stab trip, right? Yeah. Um, it was amazing. I mean, obviously definitely the best surf trip I had of 2020, but I mean, just being able to go to Indonesia, I mean, I've never been to the Mentawis before in my life. And obviously growing up as a surfer, that's like your, that's like the ultimate. Um, and the whole time, like, you, you know, I've seen how much more crowded it's become and how many more people are there. And it's just like, everything I hear is like, you know, it's like crowded, there's lots of boats, all that kind of stuff. And it was really special to kind of have my first experience uh, in a time like this where there was like, it's kind of like going, you know, way back and, and getting to experience it like in the beginning. And um, so that was pretty special. And it was obviously, <laughs> you know, being able to go on a surf trip this year was was also great. So um, it was it was pretty epic, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, it's like proper one-off, you, you know, assuming that things do start moving back to normal. Yeah, like it's a unique little situation, right? You probably never get that again. Exactly, yeah. No, it was wild. I mean, never been there before, but then when you were there and you just saw not that many other boats, not that many people, and you just had these perfect waves, like just ourselves, it was, it was pretty unique and special. And how, so you were doing the, the stab, the van stab high thing, right? Yeah. Um, which looks like quite a, quite an operation. Looks like there's quite a lot going on, you know, a lot of surfers, a lot of different, Yeah. you know, how, how was that? Like, how was, was it, was that, was it, was that pretty, cause you were judging, right? Yes. Yeah. So myself and Nathan Fletcher were the kind of like the Connors directors slash judges. Um, obviously he's got like a pretty amazing history in terms of like progressive surfing and that and you know his brother and all that but um yeah it was it was cool because it was like you got to go to this so-called event but you didn't have to actually even compete in it so that was kind of took the pressure off because I'm spending most of my time (laughs) not not out the water I'm not I'm not trying to go for like big airs and stuff it's um I mean uh so yeah it was it was cool because um, I guess it's the first time they've had that event out of out of just like the wave pools and that. Um, and I mean, obviously, what what better place to be than the Mentawis? Because obviously, the waves are pretty amazing. And it was funny though too, because like we were obviously chasing waves where they could do really good airs, and the whole time, like every day, it's like oh the whole decision of where to go revolves around like, is the wind going to be like unsure if it's going to be like, you know, good for airs. And, you know, it's the first time in my life I heard people going, okay, we can't go there because it's going to be offshore and barreling out, you know, like it was, it was quite a trip for as a surf to kind of have that uh, sort of mindset. Um, but it worked out well. We got a little bit of everything. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, the guys were amazing. It was cool to see them. Um, just go for massive airs. It was pretty um it's kind of intimidating seeing how how big those guys go. I don't even want to try anything because it's like it's gonna be small compared to that. But yeah. So as as you know, like you said, kind of nominal contest director judge you and you and Nathan, like what what was your what were you what were you looking for? 
were you was the criteria that you that you you guys worked on together or how did, how did that side of things work well gee, i can't even remember the criteria now but i think you know a lot of it was progression and then i guess from my side i was really looking at like style and execution um just like you know obviously something that that looks really good but is you know done with ease or just with like a rad style and and obviously just like just the way you kind of landing your ears and stuff nice and smoothly and controlled um and then, yeah i think from nathan's side like you know progression and obviously heights and all that kind of stuff um uh yeah and i'm trying to think what else uh height progression style and i mean if it was like a rotation obviously rotation as well um and yeah just that like smooth clean landing kind of thing so did anyone particularly impress you you know anyone take you by surprise like on that one yeah um we had uh two those two indonesian kids rio and uh bronson and they surprised me a lot i mean they it's amazing to see how i mean they're definitely leading the charge as as like you know surfers from indonesia um as i mean they surf so well and the airs that they were doing were pretty amazing um and then also it was really cool to be i've always seen matt miola i've, I've always seen this stuff on on social media or online um, but i've never actually been on a trip with him and it was pretty wild like he's i mean because everyone else is like they you know they free surf or they do contests and then they you know every now and again do air contests but I feel like he's like very much an air guy and to be able to surf with him and watch him in real life was pretty amazing. Cause yeah, he was just, he wasn't going for those like small, tiny sections. He was just going for on the gnarliest sections that he could like, you know, put his board up there and just go, it was a while to watch. And, um, but it was amazing. It was pretty cool to see him just like, you know, go to work and try some really big airs. Yeah. I watched the edit earlier and, um, yeah definitely comes across yeah it's definitely. uh i like i like call it like they're like a surfing surfer in the in the caption as well so yeah um, yeah i mean I'll, I'll put a link to it because i think um yeah i think people would be pretty stoked to see it really and there's a few more yeah. episodes coming out in the next couple of weeks right yeah yeah um so you and you've been like obviously we were talking about a bit about covid and and the fact that you've been in at home for quite a lot of this year and i was really interested in chatting to you about some of the things you've been working on during that time because uh you know because obviously you, the stuff that you do that the, the projects that you work on seem to be quite considered and you know you look like you, you're trying to tell particular stories and you know highlight different areas of surf mm -hmm. culture Thanks. and you know you've done yeah i mean it, it really comes across like and so you've done the the juju surf club right with with zelta your wife yeah um so how did that come about and what's the what's what's the what's the background to that well um yeah so i mean that's been a quite a long time coming i mean together we've but you know my wife and i we've spoken about it for quite a long time just always i guess with you know we always had it in the back of our minds to just find a way to give back um and also just like raise awareness um 
And, you know, there's just, I mean, as a surfer, we're so, so fortunate and so blessed, like, you know, to be able to travel the world and surf and, you know, just you get to do all these cool things like collaborations with bands and other people. Um, and it was just like, you know, and obviously like through being influenced by guys like the Gadaskis brothers who have positive vibe warriors and, and just seeing how, you know, even if it's not them, I mean, just, just the message that they send is just, is really cool. And it's just a small thing that makes such a big difference. And, you know, we've, I've worked on projects with them before where we've, the board drive that we did for South Africa and we, we got like over, I mean, over 750 surfboards or something. And just like, just really into how such as, you know, small things like that can make such a big difference. And, um, and then obviously now with COVID, you know, I mean, I was in South Africa, especially, I mean, all over the world, it's been, you know, for those who aren't as fortunate, it's been a really tough time. And, you know, it's also been hard because it's when you're locked at home or whatever you and you don't have a job or, you know, it's kind of hard to to make do and to support your family and all that kind of stuff. And so I guess it was kind of perfect because we, you know, we were stuck at home and we had some time on our hands and we could really actually put some some thought and actually, you know, commit to something. And even if it it's not that successful we could at least just put something out there because it's I feel like it's the least we could do um and uh yeah I mean it's all based around you know creating awareness about um different surf organizations or individuals uh, in in Africa um and then just because I feel like there's so I've along my travels I've met so many cool people and so many rad organizations and there are a lot of people willing to help out there. So, you know, just trying to create a space where you can kind of, you know, let people know about them and what they do. Um, and then with that, you know, trying, like we did the, the tower slow tide, that was, um, you know, we got the, the proceeds donated to two organizations, um, Ways for Change and Surf Pub. So, yeah, we're pretty much just going to be trying to do things like that and then ideally, you know, maybe once a year we'll be able to, you know, try and set up a surf site at one of these, um, through one of these organizations or just help them to, you know, keep surfing alive then. Um, and just, I don't know, again, like also surfing, um, I feel like it's been such a positive and amazing thing for people and communities all over Africa. So I think it's all about just sharing that and spreading that and keeping that alive, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the common themes in, in a lot of the projects that you do seems to be that telling these alternative stories and, you know, finding these different areas of the culture, essentially, because, you know, as we know, the if you call it like mainstream surf culture, it's quite a well-told story, isn't it, that yeah. focuses on like the same areas of the world, the same types of people, the same travels the same routes the same destinations and obviously yeah there's, there's there's much much more to it than that um and you know when you couple that with the fact that you tell these different stories and they give new people and different demographics and different people who might not be exposed to surfing in the usual channels like a, a chance to sort of get into it then it you know it's a it's a powerful thing isn't it it's a powerful way of 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 
of changing things really oh no definitely of course is that is that something that you um because you mentioned you know like the fact that you've traveled so much and is that is your travel kind of informed that because one of the things that you that you notice when you do a lot of traveling with surfing and snowboarding or or whatever skateboarding is you, you never really get unless you look hard you don't really get like a great insight into places yeah you know like because you, you might come in surf a wave go to one place and yeah. then just leave again you know and it's all it's all it's all geared towards a particular thing you, you almost have to work a bit harder don't you to sort of find out a bit more about different locations and um, and you know the reality the reality of life for people that actually live in these places you know completely um and then yeah at the same time it's, a, it's also what you see when you watch surf films and stuff like you don't really get too much from the actual place so i mean obviously that's from my side it's it's been a big thing too is like i guess like the different projects and stuff been trying to be as as inclusive as as possible um just because you i feel like when you do take the time and you do get to meet the people and understand and you know all the little things that add to making a great trip like the music the the culture i feel like you know that that sort of side of it hasn't been included too much in in surf forms and things like that um so i guess like a big thing is just you know trying to give those people a sort of voice or just a little platform to to kind of share their story and i mean because essentially it makes your time there so great as well so it's like you know you just want to share that with everyone and um yeah was that the thinking behind a project like new new rhythmo then like to try and kind of package all of those these different elements that we're talking about obviously surfing clearly but then yeah you know like shine a bit of a light on that part of the world and also the cultural side with the music as well because you know when you look at a project like that it's a complete package isn't it you know and it's showcasing these different communities these different approaches to surf culture that we're talking about yeah is that is that is that how you approach it like well how can we tell it how can we tell a different story that is that that encapsulates this scene or area in a particular way oh no definitely i mean i guess you know there's so much especially with surfing now it's like you i mean you see so many you see people post clips of waves and airs and all that kind of stuff constantly on instagram i mean you see that throughout the day but i think i think it's also nice to kind of give people who maybe aren't that um you know maybe just not only the surf community because you know i feel like if you dive deep into other people's stories and the culture and the music and stuff it's you know people can relate a little bit more and i mean you can see that with um you look at like weird waves or something it's it's like it's not really that much about the waves but it's also just about the people around there and you know their their own little version of their surf culture or their culture over there and um i think it's just just makes it a little bit more interesting and um you know I know for like new rhythm and stuff, it was obviously trying to get swat, like, you know, chase a swell, but it was more like, you know, let's rather find someone who plays good music who we can meet up with. And then, you know, if we get waves along the way, then that's great. Um, it's kind of nice. It takes the pressure off, you know, trying to 
trying to score perfect waves, which I mean, we actually did really get good waves, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just, just about, you know, all those different ingredients and um, sharing them because yeah, I think it's important and it, it, it makes, I don't know, it makes sense. Yeah, I think Word Ways is a great example, isn't it? Because, like you say, it's it's just about finding a good story, ultimately, isn't it? Yeah. And um, if you, and also representing all the different sides, all, all the different sides of surf culture. Yeah. Because again, the the like you say, the depictions that you that you see, yeah, great, like showcasing amazing waves and and amazing surfers in amazing locations. Like you know, everyone's always going to love that. There's always a place for that. Yeah. But the reality the reality of global surf culture is it's a huge broad church isn't it there's you know for for everyone that's lucky enough to surf those waves there's people yeah surfing very different scenes and 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 having a different experience that surf culture exactly and if you put surf if you put a good story at the heart of it then it it should travel anyway shouldn't it really yeah people can relate people can they can see yeah, I mean, it's, it's just cool because everyone's got their own little take on surf culture, so it's nice. Yeah, I feel like it's cool for other people to see that too. Have you got anything that, you, that you're that working on or any ideas at the minute, like any any spots to to base something like this around? Um, yeah, I've been super fortunate. Obviously, places rather than actual spots. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was super fortunate now this year because obviously um, – planning on doing a couple of trips and that but obviously that didn't happen because of covid but thankfully um vans were really cool because they still let me work on some projects but just just at home and we had a pretty amazing winter which was which was pretty special obviously no one else coming in which was which was great and i mean we had amazing waves but then we got some may have some really met up with some really cool musicians and um uh yeah did a really cool piece on pretty much home um which i think will be coming out next year but that was really fun um being able to work on something and we actually kind of always directing it from afar which was pretty interesting to to try and like you know direct from australia kind of like via lots of lots of calls and facetime chats but um I guess that's the way the world's been going uh, this year. It's been pretty different, so it was exciting to do things differently. And um, I think we still made made do really well. And um, I'm excited that I it was still a produ- productive year. So it should be cool. Yeah, I mean, it looked like it. it looked like you had a lot of a lot of different things going on, you know, and and use the time wisely. Do you do you are you somebody that you know, I've kind of read quite a few of the old interviews and yeah. seen you interviewed on different podcasts and stuff. And there's 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 quite often this line of question about like your interest in creativity and you know, like how important is that to you? Like, is that is that something that are you somebody that's always got needs to have different projects on the go, like to find these kind of outlets for oh, creativity? Because yeah. it does look like you you know you quite often quite frequently have like a lot a lot of different projects on the go um yeah definitely i definitely have say i'm someone that needs to be busy or doing something creative um i mean 
it's been nice because obviously maybe two years ago when I was on tour and stuff and before that it was mainly just spending my time you know surfing events and stuff like that and didn't really have too much time to be creative so these last few years and obviously joining Vance and stuff and you know the the fun crew that we have it's I've been trying to be a lot more or just been able to I guess be a lot more creative I mean even now in lockdown I was you know started playing the piano and uh maybe a couple of weeks ago I started sewing so it's just been doing a lot of fun things to I don't know. It's been nice to have time to do those things because I've always been wanting to. But, um, but yeah, I would definitely say, I'd, you know, I'm the type of person that needs to, needs to have a fun project to work on and keep being creative. So what you've been like sewing, like basically making clothes? No, no, no. Very, very beginning. I've just had like two lessons and um, I think I made like a tote bag or something. But it's uh, it's super... It's super rewarding and like kind of therapeutic. So I obviously would love to get yeah, better. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I'd obviously love to get better, but um, it's definitely the very beginning stages right now. Yeah. And piano, because obviously music's like a, well, we were swapping songs, weren't we? Before we, yeah. uh, before we did yeah. this interview, like we would swap, we were swapping different playlists and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. Like, cause I, cause when, when I was prepping for this, um, Obviously, I could see that you were posting on Insta like a lot of album covers and yeah. a lot of playlists and stuff. And a lot of it was like super like crossover with my taste. It's like, ah, okay. Um, <laughs> obviously, that's really, really important to you though, like um, music and and that the, the type of music that you're into. Do you, so the, the piano thing, is that part of that to kind of, you know, part of that passion? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I love listening to music and obviously a lot of these projects get to work with some amazing musicians and that so it's like every time i watch someone play an instrument or just do what they do it's kind of semi-frustrating that don't know how to you know play an instrument so i think that's part of it really just like i need to just got to learn and be able to at least play something yeah another thing that gets brought up a lot in your interviews is the influence of like your upbringing with your parents like being super creative and mm-hmm. you know running their own agency and and kind of um yeah like that being that being something you were brought up with do you, th- do you do you think that's had that's had an influence in the way that you approach like the the confidence that you that you seem to have to like to to try all these different creative approaches uh yeah for sure i mean my dad he's always been super super creative and you know growing up i would just just every every day just doing fun things with him and i guess being around like the agency that they worked at like you just around creative people and like you know just just a lot of that and i mean either you either you take to it or you don't and i feel like i really took to it from a from a young age um and I mean, even now, me and my dad have been just over lockdown, like we, cause you could only stay, my wife and I stayed in our apartment and then we moved for a couple of weeks to my parents and, uh, they're just, they live in Kormiki where there's like a lot more just open space and greenery and the ocean's right there. So that was nice. And, 
um, my dad and I decided to, because he, he's never shaped before and I've shaped like a couple of times before. So we just started shaping in the garage and um, yeah, so we've just been doing a lot of, I mean, from, from a young age, I've always been doing a lot of creative things with my dad and still to this day. So um, yeah. How, so how was that? That must've been fun. That sounds like almost like the perfect lockdown project. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah just get, get your head into that with your dad. That sounds, that sounds rad. It was cool. Cause I mean, I think before that and hadn't surfed for like 50 odd days. So it was like just going crazy really. Um, and yeah, it was fun. But obviously South Africa, you don't have access to the best shaping tools. So we just go down to the local hardware store and try and make our own little, own little tools and stuff. And, so the you know the boards obviously didn't come up as as you would want them to come out, but um, it was fun. It was really cool to see him enjoy that, and he's obviously super creative, so he took to uh, quite quickly, and um, he's kind of obsessed now. Um, and <laughs> yeah, so it's just been I don't know it's just super fun. It was just nice to be able to have that like after not surfing for so long and not traveling and all that kind of stuff. It was just nice to have that like creative outlet that was like you know especially with surfing like i don't know i've missed getting new surfboards too so i was just like it was just so fun creating that and just kind of yeah it was rad what did you shape um i was just grabbing different shapes from the garage and literally just tracing outlines i think i did one of those ci mid lengths obviously didn't go nearly as as good as the real thing um Right. So just a couple of those. And then my dad, he, someone gave him an old, oh no, someone let us borrow an old Whitmore that had like this, it was like this crazy hull um, uh, bottom. And so he like started messing around with like those kind of bottoms and stuff. So it was fun. Um, it was like, a, yeah, it was really rad. Yeah. Sounds so, and you, you're going to keep, you said you've done a few before, but like, is that something you, you know, you'll, it's a bit of a path, isn't it really to sort of start getting more and more into shape. And is that, is that something that you think you'll, you'll end up dedicating more time to? Um, definitely. I mean, now that I've been riding more alternative boards, most of the time, it's, it's just, I mean, as a surfer, it's just so nice to kind of, you know, it's so rewarding and I feel like you understand boards a lot, a lot more and also just, you really do appreciate a good board when you get one too, because it's definitely not easy. And, um, but yeah, I, my wife and I just rented a warehouse space now. So we put a little shaping bay in there too. So that's going to be ready soon and going to just try shape as much as possible. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. What if, I was interested in chatting to you about that, about the, you know, the, the kind of way that surfing's almost segmenting more and more these days with like different shapes and different styles. And, you know, one of the constants from your surfing and the way that it's, it, that people sort of talk about your surfing is obviously like through the lens of style. And um, there's, there's quite often almost this feeling that people want you to sort of justify your style in a certain way or, yeah. or like, you know, it's it's a point. You know, what I mean, it's like a point of it's a constant point of reference. It's a it's a constant talking point. 
um, which must get quite, I'm not going to say annoying because I doubt it's annoying, but it must get, because obviously it seems like you've always just surfed the way you surf. And, you know, over the time that you've been surfing, you must have seen that change to the point that this stylistic diversity is now way more apparent. You know, whether it's whether it's types of surfing, whether it's style, whether it's board, whether it's shapes, whatever. Um, and I just wondered how how you felt about that and how you felt about the, the that kind of, you know, constant hey tell me about your style like where's your style come from you know what i mean like it is, it is a thing yeah. isn't it that people that that people ask you about and and yeah how, how does that how do you how do you sort of handle that um i don't know i mean obviously like with many interviews you kind of repeat yourself often and i mean it is a hard thing to talk i mean to talk about firstly talking about yourself but then also just like describing how you surf the way you surf i mean i feel like there's for everyone everyone's everyone's different and everyone's their own sort of i I mean i guess you have different influences but i mean your body's gonna you know do it the way that only you can do it really it's a a functional thing isn't it yeah it's like it's it's body language isn't it it's how you it's how you express yourself physically exactly which is kind of kind of inherent and yeah you can work on your style but it's kind of there isn't it really you know like the the the, the building blocks of it for sure i think it's just like a honest expression of yourself really in surfing and um it's hard to kind of you know pinpoint any i don't know reasoning behind it really it's like yeah so and have you ever why do you think people are quite keen to for you to have a view on it or to to talk about your particular style do you because it often i guess if i put it a different way like it often seems as though because there are certain milestones in your surfing career and there are and you know a obviously given the history of south africa and yeah you know people almost want your surfing to stand for something more it's almost like yeah they want they want it to symbolize something and and then hence they want your opinion on that yeah like how and i'm not asking you for like hey tell me about but i'm more interested in like how that kind of makes you feel do you know what i mean like the that that constant theme of like so you know that the, the fact that you like are the first non-white African surfer on tour, you know, that, that mean that really, that's really significant. Like, so should we talk about that? Like, you yeah. know, is that, is that something that you feel comfortable with or is, um, is that something that you often. Yeah. It's like a, I mean, it's obviously something I get, I don't know, spoken, I mean, asked quite a lot and, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a, touchy sort of subject and I mean for me you know I've, I've grown up so privileged and um you know my parents worked so hard and and then also again like I say the same thing like there's you know look at there's been Brazilians on tour and stuff like you know non-white Brazilians and all that kind of stuff and um you know I I kind of just rather look at the surfing because also when you know when I grew up I was maybe I was oblivious to it but you know I've had surfing was there was no you know there was no like divide or color or anything like that um so i've kind of just you know lived my whole life more just um 
just focused on whatever it was that I was doing and you know but at the same time there's there's obviously history and you have to respect that and um obviously proud to be who I am but um yeah I feel like you know I also feel like I'm you know want to be a part of the generation that doesn't really look at that um you know um and and that's not a thing. yeah it makes sense it's yeah. kind of why I asked the question actually like the history is obviously so important as you say and, and so significant let's just say that it's understandable that people do want you to have an opinion on it and do want you to comment on it and mm. and and you know and imbue your achievements with that significance but yeah it just it just looked like sometimes it almost might get a bit lonely being put in that position where you need to have an opinion on it if that makes sense or like yeah you know just just to constantly be saying oh yeah yeah okay yeah right sure yeah okay. i don't know i feel like there's i mean everyone's different everyone has their unique certain characteristics about them or you know and obviously it's something that get asked a lot and um but i mean i don't i don't mind i guess i just you know there's obviously more to talk about but um yeah it is funny it's like you you know you feel like you're meant to be um i don't know it's 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 a hard one to answer really but um because there's so many ways to look at it and there's and you know everyone looks at it, at it in their own way um but yeah i don't know it's like when you get asked it a lot it's like you know you kind of have to it's weird answering it over and over again i mean i guess the other thing is the other thing is as well like your you know the arc of your career as well is also pretty interesting isn't it because you know for in the context of this conversation because you know making the tour big deal um and then taking a different taking a different direction as well is all is also like in the surf narrative context like again it's something that people are really interested in, aren't they you know to yeah. sort of like to sort of lead, you know that's the classic surf thing isn't it oh right you know free surf left the tour like yeah and what and I get, again it's it's almost like when I, when I look at your career it looks like those have just been quite natural things you know like yeah kind of like followed the things that were interesting to you at the time you know well I mean growing up especially in South Africa that you know the the industry and stuff like the only way to really I feel like I was maybe when I was still competing and starting to compete internationally was like maybe just after the like the, like slow decline of like the surf industry being pretty um doing really well and like you know when Jordy got his big contracts and all that kind of stuff and i guess the only way to be a success or just be able to surf for a living or be able to travel the world was to be a, like to do the qs and then obviously try and qualify for the world tour um yeah that's the path basically that's the only way that you're gonna i guess get paid or um be able to do it for a living and you know did that for so many years and um but over that like you know maybe call it like two years before qualifying or two three years before it's like you know do do the curse and you've been doing it for like eight years or something and then slowly but surely started doing more more free surf trips and stuff um and then yeah finally finally got into tour which was, was amazing and obviously one of my 
biggest achievements. Um, but then, and yeah, like, I don't know, after a year, it's, it's crazy. I mean, the people, the, the amount of professionalism and the, you know, the, the athletes that are on that tour is pretty insane. Like it's, there's so much dedication and so much hard work. Um, and, you know, I feel like personally, I kind of have been doing that for a lot of years. And that was like, you know, it felt like it was time for like a different route. I mean, you know, obviously it would have been nice to stay on tour and stuff and compete for longer, but I wasn't, wouldn't necessarily go for like world titles. Like I knew that wasn't really going to be my thing. And, um, obviously so fortunate to be able to take the other route and, and be able to be, you know, going to free surfing. But, um, and then again, just to be able to finally getting the chance to like be creative again. And, um, so yeah, it has happened fairly naturally and feel like everything happened and with great timing and that. So I'm pretty stoked with how everything's planned out. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And that's what, I, that's what it kind of looked like, you know, the fact that, yeah, what a brilliant experience, but also this is a new experience, isn't it? And all, and, you know, to bring it back to what we were talking about at the beginning, like now you've got this platform that you can almost follow the things that, 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 that you're interested in now, you know, whether it's like telling these stories or like the creative, yeah. the creative stuff, like linking it all together. That must, you must be stoked on that, you know, to, to be like, right, great. I'm in this position now where I can kind of surf the way I want to surf on my own terms yeah, and also have a platform to do these projects with people that I want to work with. I mean, that's, that's great. And like you say, it's, it's not like that happened overnight, is it? No, definitely not. It's, it's been, yeah, it's, it's I mean, just the curse alone has been many, many, many years of just like the same thing over and again, over and over again, but it's, I mean, great memories and great times. So, definitely can't complain and I wouldn't really change anything because right now I'm like just so so stoked with what's like what I've been doing now it's like just so refreshing and um I don't know a lot of surfers I feel unfortunately you know kind of get in this rhythm of just the same thing yeah in and yeah out so it's it's fun to be able and refreshing to be able to do different things and you know, have different approaches to, I don't know, just being creative. It's nice. Yeah. I mean, great, great to be able to, to sort of get, get to that point where you can have the luxury to choose. I mean, that's, that's, that's the battle, isn't it? You know, if you can do yeah. that and you've, you've kind of won really, you know, if yes. you can, if you can get up and decide, right, I'm going to put my energies in, in, into this area that I'm interested in, and that's, I don't know, that's that's success, isn't it? Yeah, let's see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what? So um, yeah, you know, nearly at the end of 2020, let's, you know, tick that one off. 2021. <laughs> so what's the plan? Do you have you got some? I'm sure from what we've been saying, you've got some projects to take care of or ambitions to fulfil. So anything. Um, you know, anything that you're really looking forward to? Um, yeah, it's it's tricky. I mean, a few months ago, I was like, okay, cool. December's going to come, and then 1st of Jan, everything's just going to go back to normal. But um, I don't feel like it is going to go quite back to normal just yet. Um, 
but yeah, definitely have some some fun things in the works, and I definitely am excited to get traveling again. And as much as it's been amazing, kind of just experiencing home and and being productive over here, it's I'm excited to go, just go explore a little bit more and um, just tell some cool stories and uh, meet some cool people and um, hopefully. Uh, yeah just create some cool stuff really so there you go that was me and Mikey and I hope you enjoyed it now I did think at the time and I think that now having listened back to it that would have been one of those interviews would have really benefited from being in person long-term listeners of the podcast will know I was pretty opinionated about the fact that you really needed to do these episodes in person and that doing them in zoom this is pre-covid obviously doing them on skype even because you'd even heard of zoom before covid was a bit of a cop-out really but then you know fate dealt the hand that it did so i've done the last six months via zoom i'm pretty happy with how most of those episodes have gone but occasionally you are challenged by dodgy internet connections as we were at points there and also by the additional barrier that Zoom creates and which can affect the flow of a conversation. That's not a criticism of Mikey or me come to that. As you probably gathered, he's unfailingly polite. And it was a perfectly pleasant conversation. I just do think it would have worked out better in person. And the reason for that is because, like I kind of mentioned at the beginning, one thing I'd noticed during my research is that Mikey appears to be a lens through which to discuss a lot of different issues, style, diversity, and so on. And I've often got the impression that although he very politely answers those same questions he gets in every single interview over and over again, he's I just got the impression he was quite ambivalent about a lot of it, but was far too polite to say so. And that was the territory I really wanted to explore. I think we sort of got there in the end. But again, I think if we'd have been together in person, we would have been able to explore that side of his personality in that area much more thoroughly. Anyway, that's how it went. That's what I got. You know, as a journalist, it was slightly frustrating because I could glimpse the potential interview that's in there, but you can't win them all, eh? And I also think, and forgive me while I warm to my housekeeping corner theme, that this interview is fairly emblematic of the position of the podcast generally at this point. I've been doing this for pretty much four years now. And in that time, I've built up a global audience which is far beyond anything I ever expected to achieve with this podcast, which is brilliant. And I'm grateful to everybody who supported the show. But, you know, that said, I'm not exactly Rich Roll. You know, I'm fortunate that a lot of guests have heard of the show. I'm not saying I want to be Rich Roll, by the way. I quite like Rich as it goes. But, you know, like that, those podcasts, this is the point, have reached a point of popularity and profile that you just go on them if you're doing the rounds. And people know what they are and they know what's expected. Now, I'm fortunate that a lot of guests have heard of this podcast and even listened to it, which is something I'm really stoked about. And in those cases, and the recent Patagonia episode is a really good example of that, those guests know how it unfolds and they know what they should bring to it if we're going to have a successful conversation, which again is an incredibly privileged position for me to be in. Um, And just to reiterate, way beyond what, what I ever thought would happen with this thing and that's incidentally also why I do get test guests even turning me down quite frequently Owen Toza being an example I've asked Owen to come on this show a lot of times but he just doesn't want to go there and there's a lot of guests that do know the pod and they just don't want to have the type of conversation that 
usually happens on here, which is fine, you know, I, whatever, that's the way it goes. But then there are guests such as Mikey, who quite naturally had never heard of the podcast, never listened to it. And he's basically doing it because his sponsors have asked him to. And that's fine. But the upshot is that it can lead to a particular type of conversation, which is, again, perfectly fine. And if you're a fan, I'm sure it's just nice to hear your idols speak, but it's often not as interesting, revealing or insightful as some of those that I've been lucky enough to carry out with guests who, like I say, either know it or are just, you know, prepared to go there a little bit. And that does lead to a conundrum in how I approach booking guests, which I might explain because it's probably interesting if you're a long-term listener. There's no doubt that the bigger names lead to much higher listener numbers. You know, the most popular episodes ever are Jamie Thomas, Alex Honnold, Mick Fanning. Who else is? Terrier, obviously. Chas Smith. He's up there, but you know, he's got a huge profile. He he really promoted it, which is great. The Beach Grit did a piece on it. That really drove numbers. What a twat drove numbers. That's such a twatish internet thing to say, isn't it? Anyway, you know, that meant a lot of people listened to it, should I say. Fucking I'll be deep diving in a minute. <clears throat> but you know, there is the temptation to go down the junket route and just take as many big names as possible. But then I've just got my doubts if that actually makes for a good podcast or leads to the type of conversation I'm interested in exploring and which people seem to respond to. If you've listened for a while, you've probably noticed that this last year I've chosen guests that definitely aren't high profile, but it seems to me you're going to hit that sweet spot of interesting conversation, interesting story. But they're not often the big names, which like I say, are the things that drive these bigger listener numbers. And when I do polls on Instagram over at my account at we look sideways which i frequently do i often ask for guest suggestions because it's a good gauge to see you know what people are thinking and the usual names always always come up kelly slater tom penny tony hawk mark gonzalez you know the big the big hitters um but my view is there's just not really any point in doing that until they kind of know what it is like how it's going to go down and see the value of doing it you know if you look at kelly slater I don't know if you've heard any of the stuff he's done recently, but it's it's pretty dry, like it's pretty guarded. I mean, he does somewhere he is relaxed, fair enough, but you know, a lot of them it's just like he's on the he's on the promo rounds, and it's like, all oh, right, yeah, I'm going to do this podcast now. Great, nice one, yeah. And again, you might have a perfectly acceptable surface level conversation, but. I do have my doubts that it's going to deliver the goods that I'm looking for when I do these conversations. And and here it comes. That's one of the reasons why I'm always banging on about this. Follow me on Instagram, sign up for the newsletter, sharing episodes that you enjoy, all that stuff, which is gets fucking boring when you listen to podcasts and everyone's like, oh yeah, give me a review on this, that and the other and all that. Subscribe, make sure you hit the subscribe button, you know, all that shit but it does really help you know the more people I approach you've actually heard of this thing the sooner I'll be able to you know get your Kelly Slaters your Tony Hawks your Tom Pennies like whoever it is the people because they'll they'll be like oh yeah that's that thing I should probably go on it and I've listened to it and it's pretty decent and it is moving in that direction and fuck me don't get me wrong I don't really care like I've, I've always you know, it's not like I started this thing so I could have those types of conversation. I'm just saying that occasionally 
you do get this situation where that conundrum, as I referred to it, just just leads to an episode like that, which was fine. You know, it was, and I might even be overanalyzing it. <laughs> Wouldn't be nothing new there. But yeah, I just think, I've, I thought I was thinking about it on the, you know, when I was putting this one together, musing on the whole process and podcasting generally just seemed like a bit of classic housekeeping corner fodder. So there you go. So let me know what you reckon anyway. And, uh, you know, you can, <laughs> I'm going to say it again, if you do, if you do enjoy this then please, you know, follow me at we look sideways on Instagram, sign up for the newsletter. I send that every fortnight, fortnight, even you can do that on the website, www.wearelookingsideways.com. Share the episodes that you like, tell people, it does really, really help. And, uh, you know, also give me some feedback. Always enjoy that. Email to podcast at wearelookingsideways.com. Send me a direct message on Instagram. I do read them all. I try to reply to them all. And I often end up sharing them on stories. So be warned. Anyway, thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with another one. So until then, nice one. <laughs>